God, we know that it has the power to change our lives, and so many times we ignore it, but Lord, I pray that today wouldn't be that way. God, that you would break our hearts. God, that you would open our eyes. God, that you'd do surgery on the things that need to be removed from us. Lord, may our pride not stand in the way. May you crush the walls of pride today, Lord, so we might be broken before you. And God, you might be honored by our brokenness. God, we so love you. God, speak to us now. Speak what is true to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. It's got nothing to do with the message, but I just want to share this with you. I, I know some people that have, like, a lot of pride, and they, uh, they don't surrender to God because they have pride, a lot of it. They never allow themselves to be broken because they're not supposed to look weak. I don't ever want to look like that. And I feel sorry for the people that do. The people that are afraid to shed a tear because they don't want to appear weak. I feel so sorry for them. I really do. This is what God's Word says in Psalm 51. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You don't want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O oh God. Man. I don't ever want to get to the point where my heart is just not broken. I, I don't think that a broken heart is something that just happens when, when you repent and you put your faith and trust in, in Jesus Christ for salvation, this one-time event. I believe it is a continual thing where God continues to break your heart, continues to show you things where you need to be broken. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I, I know, man, I know that especially men, we sometimes, we, we're supposed to be the tough guy, you know. Even God's Word says that we're supposed to be the spiritual leader, and I get that, right? But how are you supposed to lead your family and be a spiritual leader if you're not willing to be broken, you know? I think if you want to lead your family, you want to show them what it means to be a man of God, get down on your face before God and weep before God. It's not got anything to do with the message. Maybe it does. Maybe I just didn't realize it. I'm talking about messed up families, so maybe that's what God's trying to say, is that maybe, maybe one of the ways we're messed up is we're just not broken. Or we're not broken enough. I, I'm not sure. This morning, uh, we're starting a new series on a guy named Joseph. We'll be in Genesis chapter 37 uh, this morning to begin with. I've entitled this, this, uh, this series, Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Yeah, I know, right? Everybody remembers this show? I know it's like old, like and this is like 10 years old, and you're bringing this up now. Well, this was really the only thing I could think that kind of goes with the message, because uh, the good news is, is that Joseph's got a screwed up family. Yeah, you're not alone, right? 
Yeah, your family's jacked up just like mine is. We all got a dysfunctional family. I know. Look, we all got that uncle. We're all embarrassed to be around. I get it. You know what I mean? We've all got a messed up family, and this is really about a guy who's got a messed up family and how God remains faithful because, I mean, this guy Joseph that we we're talking about, man, really, if you look, aside from this guy and Daniel, really, they, they're the only ones in the Bible that really don't do anything wrong. Um, as a matter of fact, the only thing I would say that, uh, that you could say for sure about Joseph is that, man, he, he, was, he, had, he, had a, he didn't have a lot of pride, and he wasn't afraid to cry, and we'll see that as we get to the end of this series. Um, but this guy, man, he didn't, I mean, if you look at what, what he did in, in God's word, he didn't do anything wrong. He's like Daniel. I mean, neither one of those guys did anything wrong, and they're really the only ones that I can find in the Bible that didn't do anything wrong. And, and we start off talking about Joseph and how jacked up his family is. It's really how the story starts off. And I, was, I, told, uh, I told our group that we pray with before we have our service, I said, man, I don't really know how this is going to wrap up. I don't know how it's going to end because this is kind of one of those stories that's to be continued kind of thing, you know? I said, well, maybe that is, that is how it's supposed to end. And that is come back next week and find out the rest of the story, right? And we'll just keep doing that week after week, and it'll be like a soap opera a little bit, and you'll want to come back, and you'll want to see what happens in the days of Joseph's life, right? So you want to check it out and know, know what happens next. Uh, the good news for us is that uh, there are jacked up families in, in the, uh, the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, and that's good news for us because we're all kind of identify with that. So we've entitled this series Extreme Makeover Home Edition because Joseph's family really gets... Uh, it gets an extreme makeover in a lot of ways. And, and the, the home that we're talking about is actually the house of Israel. Uh, so, so this is kind of what's transpiring. And, and I want you to know that, that man, I, I, I can't give away like the end. You know, I so, so desperately want to tell you what the end. I want to give you the reveal. I want to show you what the finished house looks like. I want to tell you all of that. And it's going to be such a struggle for the next few weeks for me to hold that back and, and just kind of say, okay, you got to come back next week. You got to come back next week. You got to come back next week. And I know that for some of you, that's going to be a struggle too, but that's all right. Hang in there with us. I believe you'll enjoy this series, even though you really won't get to see the final reveal until we get to the very end. But what we're going to do is we're going to kind of show you some, some small victories throughout the, the thing that we're supposed to, to learn from, things we're supposed to identify with, and it's supposed to re- mirror onto our lives and let us reflect and look at our own lives and what things we can do and what we can learn from God's Word. So I actually went to see uh, them doing an extreme makeover one time. Uh, they were doing one in Birmingham, and I actually got to see like uh, Ty Pennington uh, I saw him like doing his thing, and he was—he was a very nice, friendly guy. And he came over and shook hands with some people and stuff like that. And he went over and had to film a little twenty-second episode. And then he went back into his trailer, and I don't know if he did anything else. But uh, anyway, so I, I did get to see them doing that. There was some house over in Birmingham, like um, I can't remember exactly where it was, but but they, they like these people had like forty-five kids or something like that. They were like uh, quintuplet, triplets septuplet, something or another. I mean, like I had a ton of kids, right? And Extreme Makeover was there, and they were doing their whole renovation of their house, and they gave them a big water park in their backyard and all this kind of stuff, and it was really cool. And I actually got to see them doing some of that, and it was really a neat thing that they did. Uh, that this was like, like I say, maybe over 10 years ago. It's been quite a while since they've done that. Joseph's house gets an Extreme Makeover. So we're going to look at that 
I got to kind of give you some background here. Uh, we'll just start in with uh, Genesis chapter 37. This is going to be a little bit more reading than what you're used to. So everybody's like, oh, no, I zone out when Kenny starts to read. That's okay. Uh, I'll try to wrangle it back in for you and kind of tell you what's going on here. So we'll be getting uh, Genesis chapter 37. We zoom in on this one particular guy's life here. His name's Joseph. So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan where his father had lived as a foreigner. And this account of Jacob and his family. So we're looking at, at Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flock. He, he worked for his half-brothers and sons of his father's wives, Billa and Zilpha. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things that his brothers were doing. It's a little bit of a tattletale, I guess you would say. Uh, we read on, it says, Joseph, or Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born when his old age. So he, he's, kind of, he's kind of his father's favorite. This is, what's really weird about this is that, that Jacob has a favorite. Now, now, what's weird about that is that, that Jacob, he had a brother named Esau, and Esau was really the favorite in the family, and Jacob wasn't. You would have think Jacob would have learned something from that. It's bad to have a favorite in the family. But for whatever reason, he didn't learn that lesson that God was trying to teach him. Joseph was his favorite. He used to go and he'd work out in the fields and tend the, the flock for his father. And, and he would, like, whenever his brothers would do something bad, he'd go and tell his father about it. Now, nobody likes a tattletale, right? Nobody really, really likes somebody. That got, I believe that, that probably more than anything, I believe as we look at this story, I believe that probably wasn't being a tattletale so much as he was just like, they're doing something bad, Dad, and you need to know about it. You know what I mean? Like, they're not doing something they should be doing, and Dad, you need to be aware of it. Um, now, now, this, this is always debatable in, in our world, right? So, somebody's doing something bad, you're like, should, should I tell on them or not, right? Like, there's always this, this dilemma in our minds, should I say something or should I not? It really looks bad, I don't know, but I don't want to be a tattletale, right? We always have this kind of struggle that goes on in our minds because we've always learned as a kid it's not good to be a tattletale. Nobody likes a tattletale, right? Nobody likes a snitch, somebody that if you do something bad that so-and-so is going to go and tell on you. Sometimes, sometimes you really do need to tell somebody. You know what I mean? If you've got a family member that's into drugs and alcohol really bad, and, and, and you, need, you may need to tell somebody. You may need to go and, and raise the, the flag somewhere and say, hey, I don't know who I need to tell, but I need to tell somebody, somebody that's responsible that I can tell about what's going on here. And I believe, I believe if we look at Joseph, I believe that's what he was doing. He was like, man, this is some bad stuff, and Dad, you need to know about it. Somebody struggles with depression to the point where you're afraid that they're going to hurt themselves or hurt somebody else. You need to go tell somebody. Now, I can't necessarily tell you who to tell, but I, you, you may need to come tell me. Now, I don't need a big rush of people coming up here to tell me stuff after the service. But you need to tell somebody when it may very well endanger somebody else or they may be in a, a dangerous situation for themselves. You need to tell somebody sometimes. But because we're afraid to do that sometimes, we don't always do that. And, and people do end up hurting themselves. They hurt somebody else. And we saw it coming, but we really thought it better to be quiet and not say something even though we know we probably should. It can be dangerous to do that. That's a dangerous game to play. I, I think if you look at the, the godly men of the Bible, man, when they saw something that wasn't right, they had to say something. They didn't sit back. 
Now, they had to do something about it. They couldn't just let it pass and not worry about it. They had to do something. And I believe Joseph's one of those guys. He's, he's got he to tell somebody. But he was his father's favorite. And he said, so, so one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest, and they couldn't uh, say a kind word to him. So everybody's heard of the, the, the Broadway musical or whatever, Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat, right? Like, I mean, that's... Everybody's probably everybody's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about, Kenny. Well, anyway, there's a Broadway play about that, and, and like, you know, I don't think that Joseph looked like Snoop Dogg, like with, with a big coat and like a bunch of rings and, and glasses and stuff, but I, I mean, I believe that it was a very nice coat, but I think that, that maybe when you, when you think about Joseph in the coat of many colors, those, those cartoons that you always colored in, 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 uh, in Sunday school or whatever, you always had like the neons and all that kind of stuff. I don't believe it was quite like that, Okay. I don't believe it was rainbow-colored necessarily, but I just believe it was a very beautiful coat. And what it symbolized was the fact that, that, that Joseph was his dad's favorite. And man, you know, he, he's, he's, he's going to wear the coat. It's a nice coat. I, I don't blame him for wearing the nice coat. I, I think that, 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 you know, his dad, he, he loved his dad, and his dad gave him a gift, so he wanted to wear the coat, and that's what he did. But his brothers hated him because of that. They hated the fact that he was a favorite. One night, Joseph had a dream. When he told his brothers about it, they, they hated him even more. Listen to this dream, he said. So they didn't like the dream that he had. He's just telling them, listen to this dream. We were out in the field trying to bundle up grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed down before mine. His brothers responded, so you think we'll, you will be king, do you? You actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the, the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed down low before me. This time he, he, he told the dream to his father as well as his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked Will your mother and I and brothers actually come and bow down on the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Soon after his brothers went to the pasture of their father's flock at Shechem, when they had gone before, sometime Joseph, Jacob said to Joseph, Your brothers are pasturing sheep at Shechem. Get ready, and I will send you to them. So Joseph is having these dreams, and what's going on here is that that, that I believe God is revealing stuff to Joseph. And, and, and his brothers don't really like it. Now you're like, well, this, this sounds kind of weird. I'm not sure that, that I would necessarily respond that way. But it is weird, first of all, that, that, that Joseph is telling him about the dreams and that his brothers are responding the way they are. So what about this? I'll, I'll give you a real-world example. When God's doing great things in your life and, and just growing you spiritually and you're getting close to God, and, and what happens? It becomes the overflow of your life and you begin to tell people about it. Sometimes it comes out in your conversations like, man, this is what God's doing here or in this particular section. This is how God is using me and I got an opportunity to speak to these people and, and this, is, this is just amazing what God is doing in my life. And instead of responding how we should respond, instead of going, man, that is awesome. I am so excited about what God is doing. I am thrilled to death that, man, you are responding to God's call and God is giving you these opportunities and you're able to go speak to so-and-so. And, and, man, that is amazing. Instead of responding that way, what happens? We get a little jealous. 
don't we? Admittedly, it happens. We go, well, you know, nothing seems to be really happening in my life spiritually. Now, I, I, I'm not getting these opportunities, and I'm not really growing that much, and I'm just kind of going through the motions a lot of times. And instead of, instead of encouraging other people, instead of building them up and encouraging them to go forward, and, and, and like, you know what? God's given you this thing, man. Go and do it. You know, instead of doing that, what do we do? We get a little bit of jealousy going on in our hearts. Man, I wish that was me sometimes. I wish that I was like that. I wish that, that God was speaking to me in that way. And what's happening here is God is giving Joseph visions about what is actually to come. And, and Joseph is just, he's just simply telling them what he saw. And what he is seeing is actually the future, which we'll find out about in, in a few chapters. But we're actually showing, he's actually, God's giving him a taste of what is to come. And a lot of times in our life, we let jealousy break up some relationships, don't we? We let it rule and reign a lot more so than God's love in our life. We're supposed to be loving somebody and drawing close to them and encouraging them. Instead, we let jealousy rule and reign in our life. Man, that's a big sin for a lot of us, isn't it? Jealousy. Saying, man, I wish I had what they had, whether it be financially, whether it be things, whether it be their relationship with God, instead of encouraging other people, what we do is we get jealous and we look and say, man, look at what they have. Why don't I have that? Man, I'm doing all the things that they're doing. Why am I not blessed in the same way? Maybe, just maybe, God's blessing them for a particular purpose that maybe we can't see. Maybe God's doing something particular in their life that we don't really recognize and we don't really understand. But instead of saying, you know what, God, for whatever your will is for my life, I'll accept it and I'll rejoice it. Instead of saying that, you say, man, I want to be like that, God. Why don't you make my life like that person? Why don't you do that in my life? And instead of, instead of us encouraging one another as believers, these walls get built up because of jealousy. We go, man, I wish that I had that. I wish that I was like that. Instead of saying, man, God, I, will want, I want whatever you have for me, and I will embrace that, and I will rejoice in it. But jealousy kind of rules and reigns, and that's what happens with his brothers. His brothers are terribly, terribly jealous of him. So he, he, his father says, you know what? Your brothers are going out, man. They're going to tend some sheep for me, so I need you to, to follow them and check up on them. Oh, yeah, that'll help them like him a whole lot better, won't it? Yeah, they really like that. When Joseph rolls up in his Technicolor dream coat with his little clipboard and his pen, ready to take notes on what they're doing wrong, you know that they're going to be like, oh, yeah, here he comes again. Let's just, there's our brother Joseph. We love him so much. He says that they hated him more. They hated him more. He keeps saying that over and over again. He would do this, they'd hate him more. He would do this, they'd hate him more. Constantly, over and over again. They hated him more, hated him more, hated him more. And he, he sends his, uh, Jacob sends Joseph down to keep track of him. And he sends him down to Shechem, and Connie, you'll have to forgive me. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here. In verse 16, he, he's been searching for me. In verse 16, he says, I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph replied. Do you know where, uh, where they are pasturing their sheep? Yes, the man told him. They, they have moved on from here. But I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. Now, it's not Dothan. That's Dothan. I'll... So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan and found them there. So he's chasing his brothers down to go find out where they're at and what they're doing. He goes to Dothan, not Dothan. Dothan's in South Alabama, okay? That's not where this is. He, he did not follow his brothers down to South Alabama. 
He wasn't on his way to Panama City and stopped in Dothan. No, this, this is not Dothan. This is Dothan, okay? All right, so he's in Dothan, and he follows it. So what's the big deal? Can he, who, who cares? Dothan, Dothan, whatever, man. This is, like, this is some weird, obscure city nobody's ever heard of, right? Dothan is mentioned one other time in the Bible, and uh, this is what's pretty cool, y'all. So here's what's going on. Dothan is mentioned in 2 Kings chapter 6. Some of you remember me preaching this, this message to you once before, but Elisha is under attack. Elisha's coming under attack, and he's got a servant there with him. This is not going to be up on the screen. This is just me talking to you, okay? Elisha is about to be under attack, and he's got a servant with him. It says in 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning in uh, verse 13, I believe it is, it says, And report came back, Elisha's at Dothan. Same place. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. They're going to, to capture Elijah. They're going to, to find Elisha. He says, when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops and horses and chariots everywhere. He's looking outside, and like, it does not look good, all right? Like, they're coming to capture us. And he says, oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. He's freaking out, right, because there's chariots and tons of soldiers everywhere, and they're coming after them. And Elisha says, do not be afraid. He says, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, open their eyes, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. So around the opposing army was the army of God. Uh, around the people that were going to attack Elisha was this army of God that was ready to just pounce on the enemy and destroy them. And Elisha said, God, just open my servant's eyes. Let him see what I can see. And God opens up his eyes and he sees all these chariots of fire, horses and chariots of fire surrounding the enemy. That happened at Dothan. So why is it in this story? Why, it's all connected, man. When you read the, don't just read the Bible, okay? Don't, don't just glance through it and say, man, that was pretty good. I have no idea what that meant. Read the Bible and look, look for stuff. Study stuff, man. Like, I don't know what that means. Go look for it. Go listen to 12 sermons on it. Whatever it takes, do what you got to do, man. But don't just read over it, glance over it. Actually focus on what God's trying to show you. So what's, what's God trying to say here? I believe that this particular passage is trying to show us something. And that is that though things may look one way, something else is going on. Though the situation may not look good, at Dothan things look different. Though, though, though you may see that the, this is the situation right here and things are about to get really nasty, I want you to know that God's army is all around that ready to pounce on the enemy, ready to, 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 to be on our side. And I believe that's setting the stage for what God's about to show us. So Joseph is at Dothan checking on his brothers. He's got his coat on, and he's come to check on his brothers. You want to talk about a dysfunctional family, listen to this. Genesis chapter 37, beginning in verse 18, it says, When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him at a distance, probably because he had that, that, that coat on, right? They probably saw the coat coming down the hill. They're like, oh, there comes the coat, man. 
As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Well, my brother's here today. I'm not going to point him out or ask him to stand up, but there have been some times where I wanted to kill him. I'll be honest with you. But I didn't really want to kill him. You know what I mean? I just thought that I did. But I didn't really think, well, I'll stab him and, and I'll be done with him. That's not really what I thought. Well, I take that back. No, I'm just kidding. No, I didn't really think that. But you think your family screwed up, man. This is a really dysfunctional family. They're like, there he comes. I got an idea, y'all. Let's kill him. Let's get rid of him for once and for all. Let's do away with him. That's really, that's a really broken family, isn't it? When the family gets to the point where they're ready to take each other out, that's a really broken family. And I hope nobody in this place has ever been that way with their family, but, but I know you've been close. Okay, I get that. But I, I, I just pray and I hope that nobody's ever really said, there they come, let's kill them. And these guys weren't joking around. They were completely serious. They hated him so much. The hate had built up so much that they were ready to do away with him. This is what hate does, isn't it? This is what jealousy does combined with the hate that they had for him. It builds and builds and builds and builds. And before you know it, you're at the point where you're ready to commit murder. Now somebody says, well, man, I'm not really going to kill anybody, Kenny. You know what God says about murder? He says hate is like murder. Jesus says that, that if you hate somebody, it's just like you kill them. The only difference between hate and murder is, is, is your action upon it, right? The heart's still the same. And Jesus tells us that, that what matters the most is the heart, right? So if you, you hate somebody and, and you kill them, you hate somebody so much that you want to kill them, you have hate in your heart. Jesus says if you have hate in your heart, then that's the same as you committing murder. It's no different. There's no difference in the heart because the heart is what matters. The only difference is the action that you took on it. This is what they said, let's kill him. They hated him so much that they, they said, let's kill him. So I'll, I'll, I'll summarize kind of the rest of what happens here. So they're having this conversation. They're having this conversation about, well, what should we do with him? And they got a plan for killing him and all this kind of stuff. And one of them goes, hey, I got an idea. It won't benefit us at all if we just kill him. Man, this is a great family, right? We won't make any money at all off of this dude if we just kill him. Boy, that's a really, that's a really good brother, isn't it? Like, if I just kill him, it's not going to gain me anything. I'm just going to get rid of him and take him off my plate. But i got a better idea. Let's sell him. Let, let's sell him. And, and, and actually, the plan, and all the other brothers are like, yeah, that's a good idea. We can make some money off this dude, right? Like, let's, let's, let's sell him into slavery, and that'll be a good plan. Well, they actually, what was going on there is that, that they were, they were going to put him into this, this well. This cistern is what it's called in our NLT version. But they put him, put him in a well, and we'll just leave him there, and, and we'll, end up, we'll end up selling him. And, and what happens is, is that before they can sell him, somebody else comes along and grabs him out of the well and sells him into slavery. In advance, but the idea was that one of the brothers that came up with the idea was really going to come back and try to rescue him out of the well, but he, he was just too late. He was just too, he didn't make it back in time. He was just too late. Now, I want you to think about this. How many times in our lives have we been too late? 
Man, we, we had good intentions, we had a good plan, we had, we had all the right motives and everything. We were, just, we were just too late. We didn't get off our rear ends quick enough and, and, and things passed and things changed and, and, and Joseph is sold into slavery already and, and like his brother had this, this plan like I was going to trick all the other brothers and just I was going to go rescue him out of the cistern before they could go and sell him into to slavery and he was just too late getting there. Now, this same brother, he could have stepped up and said, you know what? Instead of killing him, why don't we just show him grace? Instead of throwing him into a well, why don't we just rescue him right now? And say, man, even though, even though there's some things that, that separate us, what I want more than anything is I want for you to be my brother. I don't want you to die. I just want you to be close. They had the option to show him grace right there. But that's not what happened. That's not what happened. This one brother had this great idea to come back and rescue him later. He was just too late. I don't want us to be too late. I, I, I don't want us to, to have jealousy and hatred in our heart or, 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 or something. You know, I, I keep bring, coming back to this idea of forgiveness. And we talk about it all the time in here. About the, the people that we have bitterness in our hearts toward and, and you know, we have this opportunity to show them grace and to, 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 to be their redeemer, to rescue them, to be the one that, that, not only, that not only just forgives them, but also is the one that rescues them at the same time. And here I think that we see that perfect picture, man. They, they, these brothers they had an opportunity and they missed it. I don't want us to be like that. I, I, I don't want jealousy and pride, and hatred, and all those things to well up in our hearts so much so that we, we miss the opportunities, the God-given opportunities that are right there in front of us to show grace. I don't want us to miss that. I don't want us to miss that. And you know, you know what prevents them from doing that, right? It's pride. It's pride. It's the same thing that keeps us from worshiping wholeheartedly and being broken and coming down to an altar and just weeping before God and saying, God, I need you more than I need anything else in my life. It's the same pride. The source of all sin is pride. The source of all sin is pride. Wait, let me say that again. The source of all sin is pride. You think about any possible sin that you could commit. If you look at the source of it, it boils down to me, me, me. Pride. Pride. The source of their sin, jealousy, is pride. They didn't look at Joseph and build him up. They didn't, they didn't show him grace. It was all about me, me, me. The reason people don't surrender to God is because it, it, it's about me and what will people think of me and how will somebody look at me and saying, you know what matters more than anything else is Jesus Christ and people seeing Jesus Christ in me. I don't care what anybody else thinks. All that matters is what God thinks. But you know what separates us from it? Pride. Pride. You, you know, also a contributing factor, I guess, to it is the fact that, that, that Jacob had a favorite. That Joseph was his favorite because Joseph was born to him when he was in his old age. And Joseph was the favorite because of pride. Right? It was about Jacob and him looking at himself, me, me, me. What about you? How's your pride? 
Did you walk in here with a lot of it and that's what kept you from worshiping in spirit and in truth when you sang the first song? Were you more focused on you than you were on Jesus Christ when you came to the door? Is God breaking your heart right now? Is He speaking to you directly through the power of His Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you, but you won't come and surrender to Jesus Christ because of your pride? Is that, is that what's separating you from this loving relationship that you can have with God and the joy that you feel like has been stolen from your life? You won't, you won't surrender the, to that and say, you know what, God, I need you, and the only way I'm going to be able to have you is if, if I offer a sacrifice of praise to you. If I offer my broken spirit and broken heart to you, that's the only way. Is that what's keeping you from, from, from the joy of your salvation? And if you don't have salvation, if you don't have a loving relationship with your, your Father in heaven through Jesus Christ, is what's keeping you from that? Is it your pride? Is that what's separating you from it? I told you that, that we would kind of leave you hanging in this morning's story, and that's true. We find Joseph in a desperate situation. He was thrown into a well by his brothers who want to kill him. He gets picked up and sold into slavery. And it doesn't end well right there in chapter 37. It doesn't look good. But here's the thing. What I told you about Dothan, there's something else going on here. God's got another plan. There may be more than you can see with your eyes. And maybe the reason you're here today is because God's got something else in store for you. Maybe you're in a, in a desperate place right now. Maybe you feel like you're at the bottom of the well. And you've been sold into slavery. I don't know where you are. But maybe, just maybe God's saying, you know what, i got a bigger and greater plan for you. Something else is at work here. You know what, I told you that, that Joseph, one of the key elements of his life is never to really do anything wrong. And the story we see is about Joseph, he never really did anything wrong. But the other thing that really deep element of Joseph that you see is he remained faithful to God the whole time, even in spite of him being wronged over and over and over and over again. He's being wronged, and he still remains faithful to God. What about us? What about us? Where do we stand? Are we, are we remaining faithful to God? Uh, do we stay connected to God in that loving relationship that he offers? Uh, or, or is there something standing between us in that loving relationship? specifically named pride. Let me pray. Father, thank you, God, for your word. May we not let pride stand in the way today. God, however you need to crush us and break us, and Lord, do surgery on us, I pray that, God, we'd allow it to happen. God, that we would see that there's something greater in store, that we would surrender to that message. God, that there is something greater in store, even though it may look like it is a desperate situation right now. God, may we not be like Joseph's brothers that, that let pride and jealousy well up inside of us and build a, a, a wall that separates us from Joseph, who in this story is the picture of Jesus. Somebody who is cast out by his brothers. He doesn't deserve it. He has become a slave. We know that Jesus came not to to be served, but to serve. So, Lord, I pray. God, I pray 
that we wouldn't let our pride and our jealousy separate us from Jesus. God, help us to embrace that loving relationship. Help us to to stand strong in the midst of the difficulties and, and let us surrender to your greater plan. And God, don't let pride build up inside of us and separate us, God, from the joy of our salvation. God, I pray that you call us to be broken, we'd be broken right now. Lord, however you need to work in our lives, I pray that you're glorified, and I pray that we're obedient. In Jesus' name, amen. Will everyone please stand?